0: If you are not part of a life group, we would love to have you also be aware that we have life groups that meet throughout the city all week long. If you're a person who came here this morning and you're thinking, man, I'd, I'd really love to be a part of some small group that was just getting together and talk about Jesus. That's what our life groups do. And we would love to have you be with a group. We have a couple that meet here on the, at the building. One meets on Sunday afternoon. There's another one that meets on Wednesday nights. You can look for information at in the back of the bulletin. And you'll see that. And we'd love to have you be a part of those, and if not those, then another one. And there are people here that you can talk to, including me. You can talk to one of our elders, talk to Dustin, and we can steer you in the right direction as far as the life group. There are a couple of special events going on today. We have a, a baby shower that is happening after all the events today uh, in this room. And so uh, we're excited about Cynthia and her new little one, Miski, and so she's going to be honored today at the baby shower. We also have Super Sunday going on today. And so if you are at all hungry right now, just wait a little while and you're going to be able to be fed. And the meal will be downstairs. We'll sit down and have that meal together. And I think you're going to enjoy that greatly as well. We have a new banner today. In Breaking Kingdom, Breakout Faith, The Time Has Come, The Kingdom of God Is At Hand. And we're starting a new series looking at the kingdom of God and the way that the kingdom is impacting our world, needs to impact our world in the way that God is going to use our church to do so. And so I also pray that you will be thinking about the kingdom and exactly what all of that means. In fact, we have kind of a special event going on in the midst of the morning. And what I want you to be doing right now, if you would, is to be thinking about this question. What will you do for the kingdom of God? And we could phrase that in different ways. We could say... What are you willing to do for the kingdom of God? What do you do for the kingdom of God? What do you want to have happen within the kingdom of God in your life? And I'll explain the details of answering the question. We'll have an opportunity at the end of the service today to actually do something that puts us in a position to to be committed to a certain task having to do with the kingdom being present in our lives. And so be ready for that at the end of the sermon time, and I think that's going to be a blessing for you as well. And then the last thing I wanted to mention, well, two things, I guess. One is we had a great time yesterday with Friendspeak. And if you uh, were not one of the 22 people who was here to hear Ben Woodward talk about Friendspeak and the opportunity that we have to share with uh, people the gospel of Christ through this ministry, I really hope and pray that you'll think seriously about being involved. This is an opportunity because we live in an area where there are so many people who come to our country and don't know English all that well. They have a chance to come and study with us the gospel of Luke Uh, and learn english at the same time and so you can talk to miles especially he can give you some details about that you can talk to me i'd be glad to give you some details friend speaks going to get started soon and uh, i was encouraged to have the 22 people there who were already ready to be teaching people english and in the process also teach the bible and then lastly i just wanted to mention that elsie harrington is currently out of the hospital uh, and is waiting for the results of some tests. She's going to have to have uh, some other test to determine whether or not she's going to have to have surgery. And we definitely want to be praying about Elsie and Bill and their situation. And so please, don't forget that. Okay, Elsie Harrington, pray for her and ask God to be with her, and He will be, I'm sure. Today is indeed a special day as we look toward starting a new theme. And I'm excited about it. I'm excited about how God is going to use something significant, I think, being his kingdom to change us and, in fact, to change our world. I don't know uh, what students read these days in school. I'm hoping they still read. One of, the books, one of the books that was on our reading list when I was in high school was Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. Who's read Brave New World here? There's going to be some other people who've read Brave New World besides me. Futuristic book. It's a satire set in the year 2540 and what they call AF as opposed to BC or AD or something like that. AF stands for after Ford and not as in President Gerald but in, as in Henry Ford the carmaker. And the reason that Henry Ford is looked back to as the beginning of something significant is because he started the production line. And society in this book ends up being very much like a production line, like a conveyor belt. And people go through it and go through a standard set of things that they experience. Civilized society has become dehumanized. Sexual promiscuities replaced love. Mass production of disposable goods is the key to everything, including the mass production and disposable, disposal of people. That has become everyone's focus rather than genuine relationships. There's the idea that family can be ridiculed. The world has become technologically one with each person's self-image being created by society. Everyone copes. By the use of a universally applied drug called Soma, which takes the place of religion and leaves everyone in euphoric states of consciousness, which is hangover free. Now, let me just read this list again. Tell me if this doesn't sound somewhat familiar. Civilized societies become dehumanized. Sexual promiscuity has replaced love. Mass production of disposable goods, including the mass production and disposal of people, has become everyone's focus rather than genuine relationships. The idea of family is ridiculed. The world has become technologically one, with each person's self-image being created by society. Have you ever thought about how your self-image is created by your phone? I think it is these days. There's a sense in which we are what our phone is. We used to say we are what we eat. Now it's we are what we tweet. (laughs) And everyone copes by the use of a universally applied drug called Soma, which takes the place of religion and leaves everyone in euphoric states of consciousness, which is hangover free. I, I, I think materialism fits. So there's an awful lot of irony, it seems to me, in the title, Brave New World. I don't know what you want to call it, but I don't know if brave is the right word. Maybe depraved new world. And sometimes I think we live in this kind of brave new world. Let me tell you about an event that takes place here. Almost every day, there is currently a group of teenagers that comes and hangs out at the back of our church building. Oftentimes, twice a day. I think that they're products of the brave new world. They have nothing to do. They have nowhere to go. They should be in school, but there is absolutely no one watching out for them. They smoke, back here. They smoke pot. They do cocaine. And they drink. And I know that because I've asked them. I've asked them, what do you do back here? In fact, the other day I walked out and I said, what in the world is so attractive about the back of our church building and this container against which you stand? Like, why is it that you people, and there's like eight of them, I said, why is it that you love this place so much that you would come here twice a day? And, you know, I could take a different route. I could go out and I could yell at them and tell them to get off the property and call the police. I've called the police a million times. I'm done with that. The police make it about 15 minutes after the kids leave. Okay? So I'm done with that. And what I've decided is that I need to build a relationship with these young people rather than just tell them to get lost. If I tell them to get lost, you know what happens? They break the glass in the door down there. I know for a fact that that's what they'll do. And so it's way easier for me, I think, to build relationship with them, and I'm actually getting excited about the idea. I've been thinking that I need to walk out there and get in the midst of this group and just start talking to them about life. I've thought, I need to walk out there in the midst of this group of teenagers and just start saying, what are you going to do with your life? Why is it that you're here? What is going on in your life that is so troubling that you spend your whole day at the Marlboro Mall and have absolutely nothing to do? And, and again, the reason I know that is because I went and asked them. I said, so what kind of group are you? I said, are you with us? Like there's a discovery school over here for students who are trying to graduate. Uh, it's at a, in a, a, a room over there in the mall, and I, we actually deliver food to them. I thought maybe they were from that group. And so I said to them, do you go to discovery or you know, what's the deal? No, we don't go to school. You don't go to school? Then what do you do? And they said, we do this. We hang out. And I said, you mean to tell me that you spend your whole day hanging out at the Marlboro Mall? And they said, yeah, until they kick us out. And then we come over here. (laughs) And, And I would say about twice a day, on average, a group of six or eight will come and just hang out. Absolutely a waste of life in one sense. Totally unproductive. And I sometimes have gotten mad about that. These kids are the white trash version of the First Nations people that come by our church building all day long looking for food. That's what they are. And their lives are broken. If our church building was in a different part of the city, the situation would perhaps be different. When the kids aren't in school, they're dominated by technological devices. There would still be kids getting high, maybe on drugs. But in this case, because they're in a different part of the city, they'd be dressed better. They'd be doing it after school. Maybe in the backyard. Maybe upstairs in the bedroom of a fine house. Perhaps even with the approval of their parents. Who do, in this case, watch out for their kids. But they also, the parents, have their own highs. And they still also have to cope themselves. And I think that the same way that these kids over here need someone in their lives, that these people on the other side of town need someone in their lives as well. Now, lest you think that I'm just negative this morning, kind of pessimistic, down on contemporary society, let me assure you that that's not the case. I'm not sure, actually, that we have it much worse than they did in the time of Jesus. Can you imagine what it would be like to live under Roman rule? Do you know that outside the city of Jerusalem, in the days of Jesus, they had crosses set up along the roads going into the city, and they would hang people on those crosses who had given the government trouble as a sign to the people that they'd better not rebel against Rome? How would you like to drive down the Deerfoot and see the bodies hanging on the crosses from those who had been rebellious against the government? We don't have it so bad. They did. About half the population of the Roman world were slaves. That means that when we come to church on Sunday morning, every other person in here is a slave. You may be able to come and gather with us if your owner allows you to do so, but there's a good chance you can't. But if you are here, there's a good chance that the person sitting next to you is a slave. If you had something go wrong as a Jew... If you were born blind, if you were crippled, if you contracted a disease, you would be banished by society as being sinful. Or maybe they just blame your parents and say it was they who sinned. And then if you really did have sin in your life, what do you think they would do with you? Anybody here sin? What would they do with you? Catch you in the act of adultery? Let's hope not, Ben. (laughs) But if they did, if they did, a a group would gather some of the prominent ones in society and they would stone you. They would throw rocks at you until you were dead. And that's the way justice was carried out in society. And so I'm not down on our world today any more than a world of previous days. There may be problems with our brave new world, but I'm not sure that the old world would be any better. Now, the fact is, so far this morning, I've told you nothing that you don't already know, that you don't think about. In fact, we talk about it all the time. How many of you in the last week have said to your spouse, What is the world coming to? Usually, right after you saw a news report about a shooting at school or a recent bombing or when you just said to yourself, what in the world is going to happen with our economy? So-and-so just got laid off, and I think more layoffs are going to come. And so it's not just me who's a bit pessimistic. The fact, is, the fact is that you realize that there are problems in our world. And yet, despite all of that, I'm incredibly hopeful today. But it's not because I have hope for our world in and of itself I have hope today because I believe with all my heart that there is a God who is doing something new. I believe that with the coming of Jesus into our world, that there are new realities that can and are taking shape, that are absolutely possible. I believe that God has done something to make possible a really new world, not a brave new world but a new world that goes by the name of the kingdom of God. I think that God is doing that, and I've got evidence to prove it. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And so he was saying that at his coming, something radical and new was going on. And I want you to notice when this happens. What's the first phrase in that scripture? After John was put in prison. Well, who was John? John the Baptist was the first great prophet to arise in 300 years. And the Jews just knew that now, with the coming of John, Messiah was about to arrive. And everything looked like there was great potential. And then suddenly, John finds himself in prison. At the hands of Herod. And where in the world is God now? Maybe John's talking about the coming of Messiah, people would say. Maybe our freedom is coming. But when he's put in prison, their hopes would be dashed and things would look pretty hopeless. But then Jesus begins to talk more about what things are like in his presence. And so he says this, or the Gospel of Luke tells us this, when he went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read, and the scroll, scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, unrolling it, he found the place where it's written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing today. And the point is, is that the kingdom is here. And with the presence of the kingdom, things are going to look and be different. And in fact, it's true. The kingdom of God is not a place. It's not a realm. It's not even a group of people over whom God rules. Although that's part of it. Instead, the kingdom of God is God's presence in our world. His reign and power shown in Jesus who brought the kingdom. Recently, I was telling Robin about how I should be even more messed up than I already am. I know I've told my story before. My father was a moonshiner who was arrested when I was five for illegally selling alcohol. I was five years old. I remember when he lost his job. I remember how we had to move out of town. I think... In disgrace, but I was just five. He sold the house. He was in incredible debt. We moved out of town. All the time, my mother was very sick. She had two heart attacks before she was 40 years old. And then she died at 45 of leukemia. Not a very pleasant life for her either after waiting 18 years to have children. My father was an alcoholic who would hit my sister's sometimes hit my stepmother when I was in high school he was drunk a lot and so was my stepmother I have one sister who responded to all of that by being on drugs for almost her whole adult life and I, I looked at Robin just in the last few days and I said I'm not actually sure that I ever realized just how bad it was for example, I'm not sure I've even to this day reconciled in my mind just how tough it was on me to have lost my mother and have a father who was an alcoholic. But because you're a kid, you don't really even get it. And so I don't know that I fully understood all of that. I should have been just like these kids that come here every day and hang out at the back of our church building. Why? Did that not happen to me? Well, there's only one reason. And that's because when I was 14 years old, God came into my life and said that he was going to do something new. His reign and his rule and his son came and happened to me. I haven't lived perfectly in response to Jesus, the king, and the kingdom of God being in my life. Far from it. But I've been afforded an opportunity for transformation and newness. I've heard heard the message of good news, the message of freedom. I've been given opportunity for the scales to be removed from my eyes so that I can see. I've experienced in my life the reality of the kingdom. And there's just no reason why the reality of the kingdom can't be there and ready for all of us. You know, one of the beautiful things about being in Africa a few weeks ago is that we had a chance to see the dramatic differences that can be made by the presence of the kingdom of God. And so we saw, we met blind people who were given homes and a chance to make a living rather than be beggars on the street. Some of the poorest people on the planet have had a chance to go to school. And a dark culture steeped in witchcraft and spells and incantations and curses can be changed into a society in which love thrives. Children are given food and clothes and a place to go, surrounded by love. In fact, as I mentioned last week, you, church, have had a hand in allowing some of these kids to go to school. And so Sonia is one that we're putting through school who could not become a teacher if it were not for you. And what I want to say is, if it were not for the kingdom of God working within you that makes this possible. You know, most of these little babies would have died had someone not been there to care for them. They would be on death's door if it weren't for the kingdom of God. The rule and reign of God working in the lives of Christians. And so I've seen with my own eyes the changes that can take place in a culture, in a society, when people are doing kingdom work. When God is at work in them, bringing about the results of the good news of the gospel. When the kingdom comes into a world, things are changed. And so today I want to ask you this question. Do you think that God wants to impact our brave new world Which isn't so brave, here with the presence and the power of his kingdom. Do you think that he does? I think he does. I think he wants to change things. I think he wants to use you and he wants to use me and change everything in a way that could never be an expected thing. Because he's God. And we're not. And so, of course, he wants to change things. And it gives me great hope for the future. You know, some of you are young parents. And you've got little kids. And I just painted a rather bleak picture of what our world is like. And I know how bad it was for me to have raised my children in the world I in which I raised them. Which wasn't all that long ago, by the way. But it's worse now. It is not a great situation in which to have to raise children in our world. And I know that impacts you. It can't help but impact you. And part of the reason I know that is not just because I raised children myself, but because I have at least one grandson now. And he is being raised in this world. And I want all the good things for him. And I want him to have every opportunity to be what God wants him to be and to live within the kingdom of God. And so I think God really wants the presence and power of his kingdom to be there for us and for us to work within it and for us to see change take place because God is doing a new thing. And so I'm hoping that people like you and like me, will respond to the kingdom of God, to the presence of God, to the reign of God, to the fact that God wants to do a new thing in our world, to the fact that Jesus brought into our world God's presence in a way that has never come since. It wasn't there before. It comes only in Jesus. And so what are we going to do in response to the presence of the kingdom? Usually, at this point, When the sermon's kind of over, I bow and lead us in prayer. And this morning, we're not going to do that. Instead, you have a chance today to make a commitment. A new commitment, maybe. Maybe a renewed commitment. And it's a commitment to allow the kingdom of God to rule in your life. It's a chance to let the world be impacted through the kingdom because the impact is first in your life. And so here's what we're going to do. There are up here in this basket some leaves. They're not real. They're cut out of paper. And so we are environmentally friendly, except that we used paper to do this. Okay? What I want you to do is I want you, when you're ready, to come up and take one of these leaves. And Melissa's going to come up in a moment, and she's going she's to join me up here, and she's going to help you place this leaf on this wall over here. On the back of the leaf, I want you to write something. And by the way, kids, you can do this too. Kids are people too, okay? And they should be allowed to do this too. They may need some help, okay? And what I want you to write on the back is something like this. Some act of love shown to someone else. Something that you're going to do in the next three or four months, an act of love that you're going to show to somebody else. A renewed commitment to honor God. And you can write something on the back of the leaf that talks about this new renewed commitment that you want to make to the Lord. A renewed commitment to Christian service, perhaps. All in light of the kingdom. Or even a specific act of service shown to someone that you want to get accomplished. And so if you're thinking to yourself, I need to do this for so-and-so. I've been thinking about it for a long time. I've never done it, but I'm going to do it. Write that on the back of a leaf, and we're going to post these leaves up here on this wall. And here's the deal. Over the next three, four months, whatever, we are hoping that all of us will live up to the commitments that we make. And when you accomplish the task, when you live up to the commitment and you complete it, we're going to always, for the next few weeks, months, have leaves available. And so you'll take a new leaf, and you're going to, on the back of that new leaf, write the way in which you accomplished the goal, the commitment. And then you're going to, over the weeks, paste that one up here On this wall. And at the end. We're going to have two kingdom walls. Covered with leaves. That represent the commitments. That people have made. To live out life. In the kingdom. And I think. This is a good thing. So. I'm going to pray. And ask God to bless us. And then there's lots of pens up here. I say lots. There are seven. (laughs) And you can come up here and write on the table or use the baptistry lid. Write down on the back of the leaf what it is that you want to commit yourself to. Some act of love or way to honor God or act of Christian service. And then Melissa will help you put that on the wall. Let's pray. Holy Father, we believe with all our hearts that you want to do a new thing. We believe, God, that you want to work in us to transform our world. There are places, God, where you clearly are doing so. I've seen it happen. And there's just no reason, Lord, why you can't use us here to transform our world. We pray that you transform our lives, our hearts, our minds, and make us like you. But let it not stop there. Instead, Father, we want to go into our world. We want the kingdom to break in. And we want to, to break out with a renewed faith that will impact our world for you. Be with us, God, that we might make commitments this morning and carry those out. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, thank you very much to everybody who participated in this this morning. This was uh, very successful. I'm really pleased. God is going to take the commitments that you've made to Him this morning, and He's going to make those things happen in the kingdom in a wonderful way. I think that uh, our world is going to be greatly blessed because of what we've experienced today. What I'm really looking forward to, like, this is beautiful. This is really attractive and nice, but what I'm really looking for, forward to is to seeing this side filled up as well. That will be exciting as these things start to to uh, come to fruition and God's kingdom just flourishes as these things happen. Let me read a passage of Scripture and then we're going to sing a song together and have communion. The circumstances here are that Jesus is being accused of being in league with the devil, which is pretty amazing. He'd done some miracles, and when he's done, says, when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it's only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he's divided against himself. How then can this kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then they will be your judges. But if I drive out demons, listen to this language. But if I drive out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. And that's exactly what he was doing. He was driving out demons through the spirit of God. And because he did, the kingdom of God, he says, has come upon them. And the kingdom has not ceased since. The kingdom is here. The kingdom is alive. And we share in it. And I'm looking forward to seeing the ways in which the kingdom is going to continue to be played out among us in the coming months.